The faithfulness of God, something that we can count on in life's most difficult moments, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. If you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to begin today in verse 11 in just a moment. Before we do that, however, I want to take a moment to correct something that Scott said a moment ago, only because I wrote it down incorrectly for Scott, and that he mentioned that uh, Billy Gray, who was in the hospital down at Roanoke Memorial Hospital, uh, shared that he had passed away. He actually, uh, I wrote that in the wrong spot on a form, and so Billy is, is alive and doing well, and so, uh, yep, he's doing great. Uh, I hope Billy wasn't watching this morning. nothing worse than hearing that you died when you're watching live TV. So, Billy, forgive me. That's my fault, not Scott. It's all good. So, just want to let you know about that. Let's pray together if we could. Father, we thank you today for the great hope that we have in you. That God, in the midst of difficult times, the faithfulness of God is something we can count on no matter what. We don't need to worry about whether you will show up, because you always do. And so, God, we, we rejoice in that. God, we pray that now, today, as we open your word, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I know there are some people watching today, listening today. There are some people in this room today that are discouraged. There are some people in this room today that are going through moments where their heart is heavy, where their lives are full of stress and discouragement and pressure to the point where they're not sure what tomorrow might look like. God, I pray that today through your word that you would encourage them, that you would help them to see and to know that you are there and that you will bring them through. And God, we know that's true because your word is absolutely true. We know the promises found in your word are something that we can count on every day. And there's no greater promise than the one that we find in your word that tells us that when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, when we believe that he died and that he rose again, that when we call on his name, we will be saved. And so God, today, if there's someone listening, watching, or here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, has never experienced that amazing transformation that comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we pray that today would be the day, that this would be the moment where their lives are forever changed, because they come to the point where they say, I believe in Jesus. And God, for that, we give you the praise and the glory of what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to continue our series that we've been walking through over the last couple of weeks. And I hope you brought your little booklet with you. If you didn't, raise your hand. We've got some ushers around that will get those to you. And there's some hands right over here, guys, if y'all could help me out with that to deliver some of those. And we're walking through the book of 1 Peter. And we're walking through this book because of the great hope that we find, the great promise that we're given through the Word of God. That we understand, that we see that no matter what we might be going through, no matter what we might be dealing with, that God's promise is absolute. And again, if we could get, yeah, here they come right here. Guys, just raise your hand if you need, the, the, they're coming right from the back here to hand those booklets out uh, to you today. The promises that are found in God. We started a couple of weeks ago, we're walking through the book of First Peter verse by verse. And I started it two weeks ago, last week I was on vacation with my family and Scott uh, did an amazing job, in fact did such an amazing job, I wanted to make sure I got back today so you didn't get any ideas. 
that, uh, that I, you can put me on permanent vacation. Scott did an amazing job. And today we're going to continue walking through uh, the amazing truth of God's Word. And so understanding that there is good news when life is tough. That, that God has given to us good news when hard times arrive, when the, when the difficulties show up, when the problems arise, that we know that God will always give us everything that we need. And so today, as we continue walking through this passage, we recognize that in life's darkest moments, Christ is going to be our guide, that you can count on Him, you can depend on Him to lead you every single day. Now, We've talked about the promises that are found in God's Word of how He's going to bring us through, how we can rejoice in the midst of suffering. We talked last week about how we can always depend on God, that He is going to give us the strength, lead us, guide us, walk us through. And we need to start recognizing, start talking about some personal responsibility of something that comes back to us and what we're supposed to do with that. What do we need to do with what we've already read, the information we've already walked through, Uh, So we can see why it is so vitally important that we trust God in the midst of the most difficult times of life. Why we have to continue to believe in His Word when things seem to be their most difficult. Now, the first thing we see here under Reality 3 in your notes is this. Why is it important to trust God in the midst of our suffering? Well, here's why. Because the world is watching. We need to recognize every single day that the world is constantly watching what you do and how you do it, and because you claim the name of Christ, because you believe in who God is and what God has done, they're watching to see how you're going to respond in difficult times. Because here's what they want to see. They want to see you do it the way they do it. The world wants to see you respond to difficult moments with anger. They want to see you respond to difficult moments with, with, with discouragement. They want to see you respond to difficult times, lashing out at others, standing up and, and, and being angry of what you're going through and, and, and feeling sorry for yourselves and blaming others. That's what the world wants to see. Because when the world sees that, when they see us responding in that way, then what they hear, what they believe is just simply this, you're no different than we are. That all that stuff about the gospel, that stuff about Christ, that stuff about God that you talk about, this, this book that you hold up as being so important, yeah, it doesn't really mean anything because when times get tough, man, you just go right back and revert to what every single one of us do. And God's word is clear, we shouldn't do that. The world is watching how we respond. The world is watching what we do and they celebrate when we mess up. They celebrate when we do it wrong. They celebrate when we don't do it the right way. So, while the reality is this, is the world is watching, we're under that microscope, here's the reality for us and the response for us is just simply this. We have to maintain our testimony. We have to maintain our testimony. When life gets tough, here's what we do. We continue to trust Christ. And we continue to be an example of what it means to trust Christ when life's at its worst, when it seems like everything is crumbling down around us, that we go back and we revert back to what we read in the book of Job, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. 
that we have that kind of dependence and that kind of trust on God that no matter how bad today might seem, I believe with all of my heart that God is good and that God loves me and that God wants the best for me and that God has an eternal plan for me that he gave to me through his son, Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that I can do or there is nothing that anyone else can do to me that will change the promise of God. Maintain your testimony. And unfortunately, we live in a world today where so many people have done the exact opposite, where when times get tough, they throw away what they've read in God's Word. They throw away what they've learned in, in study of His Word and the times experiencing the, the goodness of God and the promises of God and, and the good moments of life. And instantly they go back to doing what the world does where they complain and they get angry and they blame others and they lash out, they retaliate. That is not God's plan. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. You ought to underline that in your Bible, to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Why? Because they're watching, and God has sent us there to be witnesses. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In other words, the way that you respond to the suffering in your life will have a direct impact on the impact of the gospel in your neighborhood. Where you live and what you do, how you respond, how you walk through the hard times of life has a, a direct impact on the ability that we have to reach people with the gospel. And so we do have a responsibility to live properly among our, live, our unbelieving neighbors. Underneath that uh, point there, I've just messed up the screen here. Underneath that point, give me a minute here, I've got to figure out what I'm doing. There we go. Uh, underneath that passage of Scripture, write this word, in your community. In your community. We have a responsibility where we live to be representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when life stinks. And anybody here, and we can do a show of hands, anybody here ever in your life have walked through moments where your life, it just, it just, sometimes it just stinks. Just raise your hand. Everybody in the room, and if you're not raising your hand, man, tomorrow's going to be a bad day. Because <laughs> it happens to all of us. There are always moments where life just stinks. And let me just tell you that we have a responsibility that when it does, that in the place where God has placed us, in the place that we live, man, we've got a responsibility in our communities, in our neighborhoods to show people the love of Jesus Christ anyway. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, verses 13 and following, chapter 2, verses 13 and following says this, for the Lord's sake submit to all human authority. Whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong, to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable live, lives should silence these ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. In other words, we do have a responsibility as Christians to be good citizens. 
that we do have a responsibility as Christians to honor those in authority over us, that in our community, that people will see that we're not these oddballs who are kind of living our own lives away from everybody else and ignoring everybody else in the world, that we are living in the community and we're doing it with Christ as our God, that we have that responsibility, that we have that duty. So not only in our community, but where's another place that we have a responsibility to maintain our testimony? Well, write it down here if you would. At work, we have a responsibility at work to honor Christ, to make sure that when you go in, in the daytime, when you go in and you're working with different people, working for different people, working beside other people, even working sometimes in, you know, in, in leadership over others, that we are an example of Christ in the workplace. Listen, do not ever forget that in the workplace, it is probably one of the most important places where you can be a representative of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that means this, you treat people with respect, that you don't treat people with favoritism. You don't like one group and dislike the other group, so you treat this group better and that group over there just has to languish. No, 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 we don't do that. As Christ followers, we have a duty to love people, to honor people, to work with people. When difficult situations arise, when conflicts come up, which at work they often do, that we respond to those conflicts with the gospel of Jesus Christ as our guide. That we make sure that we, even when there's difficult moments going on, that we are honoring the Word of God and how we deal with that. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and following. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Now, let's underline here, recognize what that really means here. The idea of what it says there, you who are slaves submit to your masters. That obviously is not talking about slavery in the context that, that we in our culture that we think about it. This is the idea of people who work for, who serve other people. So as representatives of, of our jobs and our workplace, when we ha have jobs that we work, we have a re responsibility to actually submit to those in authority over us with respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. Now listen, you ought to circle that one. I'm going to circle it right there. Anybody, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, anybody in here have a boss that's a jerk? Don't, don't, please don't raise your hand. There are some of you itching right now. You're having to like put your, your hands underneath your, your legs here because you won't, yes, I, you know, I'm not asking you to show your hand. But man, sometimes we have people that we work for that are absolute jerks. I mean that they do everything wrong, they're mean, they're, they're not respectful, they treat you badly, they, they yell at you for things, I mean, just like completely unfair. And I'm sure there are some people in this room today who know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some people in this room today that kind of have, a, you've got a name in mind, so what does God tell us? Because listen, let's be honest, we're talking about going through difficult times, you know, good news for hard times. So, so what is the response? How do we deal with that? We deal with it understanding that God's Word expects us to act like Christians even then. When we are treated badly, we still do things the right way. We still honor our commitment to Christ. We honor the, the commitment that we have made to follow after Him, that we reflect the love of Christ even in those situations. It goes on to say, For God is pleased when conscious of His will you patiently endure unjust treatment. Think about that. God is pleased when you are treated badly and you respond correctly. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I, I really want to live my life from the context of that 
even when I have done wrong, that I've honored the way I live for God. I've treated those people right, even when they've done me wrong. God is pleased. I want to live my life like that. So the Bible tells us, man, make sure. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Twice in these verses, it tells us that God will be pleased when you respond the right way. So at work, we do have a responsibility. Where else? Well, it's obvious. At home. We have a responsibility at home to reflect the love of Christ. We have a responsibility at home to maintain our testimony. The people who see you the most... The people that see you the most honestly, the people who who really get to watch you when no one else is watching, that is our family, man, you've got the most important responsibility of all to maintain your testimony there. So when they watch you at home and then they watch you out in the public square, that they can say, that's the same person, and not only the same person, but the same person who does things in a godly way. That's what we've got to make sure we work towards, because it's tough especially when we're going through difficult times, especially when life is is tough. Man, it's difficult to continue to maintain that testimony, but we have to do it. We have to recognize it's important, but be encouraged. You know why? Here's why. Because Christ has already given us a plan. Christ has given us a plan on how to make it work. In other words, you say, man, I don't know how to do that. I don't either. Good news. Christ is giving you the plan. Like, man, this is not natural. It doesn't come naturally for me to respond the right way. I get it. I understand it. Guess what? I can't either. But Christ has given us a plan. So what's that plan? Well, let's go back to God's Word. Let's find out what the plan is. First thing, don't give in to sin. Don't give in to sin. Look what it says in verses 21 and 22. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, He is your example, and you must follow in His steps. And listen to what it says in verse 22. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He never sinned. Was Christ treated badly in life? Yes. Was He always treated fairly? Absolutely not. But through it all, here's what He did. He set an example that He never sinned. Now, let's be honest. We're humans. We're born with a sinful nature. It can never be the situation where we could walk through life and never sin because we have a sinful nature. Our natural proclivity is towards sin. Now, we've been given the ability to to rectify that or to make allowances for that through 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we recognize that we cannot live a sinless life, but we can live a blameless life. And a blameless life is that when we sin, that we quickly get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. That we confess it, that we get that forgiveness that God promises, and we move forward. And so we recognize, man, don't give in to sin. God has called us all to holiness. That is His ultimate plan for every single one of us in this room, to live holy lives. And all of God's Word is a picture of, an example of how that can be done. Because in our human condition, you can't pull it off. In our human nature, there is no way to be successful in that. But God's Word has given us a very clear, delineated plan. Here's how you do it. And how we do it? Simple. Follow Christ. God has called us to holiness. Second part of the plan. Don't ever seek revenge. Again, 
It's in our human nature to get back at those who do something to us. It is in our human nature to retaliate. It is in our human nature to slap people down, to smack them down when they've messed up. When they've done something to us, man, we want to get back at them. We want them to pay for what they've done. We have leaders in our culture today that, that encourage us. Man, the most important thing you can do, man, just get revenge. Seek revenge. Make them pay for what they've done. And yet God's Word says this, don't do it. Not this preacher. Not me. God's Word says don't do it. Look what it says here in verses 20, verse 23. He, Christ, remember he was treated badly, we just talked about that, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Think about this. Jesus was treated obviously very badly. He was, he was actually murdered for what he was doing. He was beaten, he was locked up, he was you know, the people, they wanted to kill him from the first time he began preaching the Word of God. I mean, we know Jesus was treated very unfairly. And it says here, and yet he didn't try to get at, back at anyone. And here's what he did. He put it all into the hands of God. So that tells us this. God has our entire lives in his grip. Do you believe that today? That God has your life in his hand. Jesus trusted and put it into the hands of God because he knew that God could be trusted and he knows it better than we do because he is the son of God. And so he knew it so well. He said, you know what? No, I'm not going to get back at them. He could have. Man, he could have. He could have called lightning bolts down. It'd been kind of fun, wouldn't it? You know, that guy that spat on him. <laughs> watch this. You know, the guy that would be kind of cool to watch, wouldn't it? I mean, do you ever wish you had that power? Like that you could, you know, and all of a sudden lightning bolts came. Jesus could have done that. He didn't because he put his life in the hands of God. God has our entire lives in his grip. So let him, let God deal, let God deal with the inequalities. When we are treated badly, let God deal with it. When people treat us wrongly, let God deal with it. When people yell at us and, and are unfair to us, let God deal with it. Because here's the deal, if you are worried about it, if you want to seek retaliation or revenge for it, if it angers you, here's what's going to naturally happen. It is going to bind you up with stress. It's going to bind you up with discouragement. It's going to make you angry. It's going to keep you from being able to do all that you need to do at work, at home, in the community. It is going to keep you from being productive. And so what we have to do is we just say, listen, this is God's battle, not mine. That person is doing something that's not fair. It's wrong. I'm going to let God deal with it. Let God handle it. Because here's the deal. God can handle it far better than you can. God can handle it far better than you will ever be able to. So, man, just let him deal with the inequalities. Third thing, don't forget that God has made a way. God has made a way for us to walk through the inequalities of life, the problems of life, the pain of life. God has given us His plan, this book, and I encourage you to read it. A couple of days ago, we had the service here in this room to honor the life of Charlie Harbin, a great man of God, 96 years old, followed God for years. I mean, testimony, witness, incredible. I learned much about ministry from him. I mean, incredible, incredible things that God has done through him. And you know what? He, he loved God's Word. And he studied, read God's Word every single day. In fact, he read God's Word through four times every single year, the entire book. He read it through four times a year. 
And then we get to the end of his life, 96 years. And you know, when we stand up here and lots of people had things to say about Charlie, and here's what they all said. Man, he was a man of God. Man, he was a man who honored God, who walked with God, who served God, who loved God. He was an example of, of, of living for God. Man, I never heard a bad thing about him. Man, he's just a man who loved God. Why? Not because Charlie was any different than you and me. Not because he had like superpowers. Not because God gave him an extra dose of something. No, 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 no. It's because he decided that God had given him the way to live a life according to God's Word, and he just decided to spend time in God's Word to figure out what that looked like. So read God's Word. Spend time studying what it is, the way that God has provided for us to live a life according to His principles. God's made the way. He's given it to us. He's put it into our hands. Look what it says in verse 24 and 25. He... Christ personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you're healed. And once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Think about this this passage, these two verses. He personally carried our sins to the cross. Jesus walked over to you. It was as if you, you know, before Jesus was, as he was walking down the Via Dolorosa, heading over to the cross, it's like he walked up and he walked over to you and he said, okay, here, what's your, what's your problems? What's your sins? He took them, he grabbed, threw them on his back, and then he walked over and grabbed yours and grabbed yours and grabbed yours and grabbed yours and kept going down the line. And then he made his way to the cross. And when they nailed him to the cross, you know what he did? He nailed your sins and your sins and your sins, right on down the line, my sins, your sins, and he nailed them to the cross. Why? Because that was God's way for us to be made right with God. Because it is impossible for us to be made right with God without Jesus providing the way, without him paying that price. You see, before that price was paid, man, we were just wandering. We had no clue. We had no way. We had no direction. We had no hope. But Jesus said, I will make a way. I will pay the price. I will give you freedom. I will give you forgiveness. And so Jesus provided that way so that we could actually find our way. So in other words, we recognize this. Christ has given us the way. He's given us the plan. Christ has given us everything that we need to do things right. You say, man, I don't know how to do it. Good news. Christ has already told you how to. Man, I don't know how to make it through this situation. It's okay. Christ has given you the plan. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Man, my, my, my mind is turned upside down. My life is in shame. I don't know what to do. He's given us the way. The question is, are we listening? Are we paying attention? Because here's the good news, and I want you to be encouraged by this. You are not alone. Think about that. We are not alone. Look what it says in in chapter 3, verses 1 and following. In the same way, it says here, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles or expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. 
You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is precious to God. This is how the holy woman of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right with, without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal, underline that, equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Here's what it tells us here. You're not alone. So what does that mean? Our relationships matter. Relationships matter. We are not called to walk through life alone. We will never thrive when we isolate ourselves. We will never be able to accomplish God's will when we lock ourselves in a corner and we get away from everybody else and we try to figure it out all on our own. Relationships do matter. And why do relationships matter? Here's why. Because our relationships determine our righteousness. How we treat other people is a direct result and a direct picture and a direct consequence of what we're doing on the inside with our relationship with God. If your relationship with God is strong, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have good relationships with other people. If you are following after God in your own personal walk, you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to treat others even when they're not treating you right. You're going to treat them correctly. Why? Because your, your vertical relationship is strong. And so our horizontal relationships, relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers, with students, with people in the community, with people we meet, random people around the way, our horizontal relationships are a direct reflection of our vertical relationship. It's a reflection of our righteousness. It, It determines who we are with Christ and what we do with Christ. And so we have to make sure that we stay focused on healthy relationships. Stay focused on healthy relationships. Why? Because it truly is a picture of what God wants to do on the inside. Look what it says in James chapter 5 verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now this is a common verse. It's one we read a lot, we talk about a lot, but let's read it in a different way. Let's read it as if the world wrote this verse, or if the the converse is true of this verse. Here's what it would say. The earnest prayer of an unrighteous person does not have great power and does not produce wonderful results. So in other words, if God says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman avails much, it's powerful, then the converse would be true, that the prayers of an unrighteous person are not powerful and they do not accomplish anything. So what is the natural takeaway for us? Do things right. Run after God. Why? Because man, in life, life, we've already talked about it, we had a show of hands, sometimes life stinks. And if sometimes life stinks, then don't you want the power of God on your side that's going to help you walk through? Then when you get down on your knees and you cry out to God, you're doing it from a pure and a righteous heart so that that prayer is powerful? I think the answer to all of us would give is, yep, that's what I want. Man, that's what I want my prayers to look like. And so we've got to recognize, man, we have to seek out, run after living right, living holy. So understand this. Be encouraged. God promises joy. 
God promises joy if we remain faithful. Life stinks sometimes, yeah, but if you remain faithful, God promises joy. Stand strong in your testimony. Man, recognize every single day how you live matters. It matters what you do in public. It matters what you do in private. You want to talk about good news for hard times? Listen, it matters what you do when no one is looking. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's on the inside is what's going to impact and affect what's on the outside. So man, make sure when no one's looking in the private moments of life, do the right thing. Keep your focus on doing God's will. Keep your focus on doing the will of God. Why? Because that's what we're all called to do, and it's the only place in life where we'll actually, we always can guarantee we will be successful, that we'll actually be able to pull it off. When you find God's will for your life, you've heard me say it before, man, you find God's will for your life, man, you focus on it, you run after it, it's the only place in life you can guarantee I will be successful. We've got 80 people up here that are in the hockey camp here at Liberty University. They're, they, they've come to, uh, to come to church with us this morning. Man, it's incredible. And they're over there. They're skating on the ice. Man, they're trying to be the best hockey people they can be, the best players in the world. Man, they want to go and play professional. Man, that's awesome. It's, I hope they all do it. Man, it's great. But you know what? It's not guaranteed. You can't guarantee that they'll all end up being the Wayne Gretzky. Of course, there's like, who's Wayne Gretzky? I, I don't know. That was a different day. But, you know, it's not guaranteed that we'll all do that. But here's what is guaranteed. When you find God's will and you run after it, you can't mess up. Is that good news? Is that encouragement enough to actually run after his will? Remember, God always rewards faithful living. God always rewards living right. God always rewards a heart that is focused on, pictured on, completely running to the right things. Look what it says in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and following. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other's brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. For the Scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Here's what I want you to do. Write down in the notes below that passage, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. I want you to write that down, and I want you to remember that passage right there is the absolute recipe for a successful life. Those verses that we just read, that is a recipe for doing things right. Accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's primary. That's important. That's the first step. And then use verses 8 through 12 as your guideline to successful living. And if you do that, man, think about what it says, the promise that's found in there. And then here's what will happen. And God will reward you. And God will watch over you. And He will listen to your prayers. He will respond because He sees a heart that is fixed on Him.
You want good news when life stinks? Here's the good news. God loves you no matter what. No matter how bad it is, God loves you. And God is the most important, the most powerful. He is the most significant person that you could ever want to be on your side because God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God loves. And God wants to spend eternity with you, which is why he sent his son Jesus to take the sins and to place them on his back. And all you've got to do, (laughs) it's easy, all you got to do is believe. Would you pray with me? Father, today we thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the fact that you took our sins on your back, that you paid that price. God, we thank you for your word that gives us a clear picture of how to live the right way, of how to do things the right way. God, we we just thank you because we could not figure it out if you had not given it to us. God, we'd mess it up, and I, I know you know that. And history tells us that we will mess it up when we try to do things our own way. So God, we thank you for your word that clearly gives us that picture. God, most of all, we thank you, as it tells us in Romans chapter 10, that if we truly believe that Jesus is your son, that he died and that he rose again, if we call on your name, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we will be saved. God, we're overwhelmed. It doesn't make sense. Why would you do that for us other than your great love? Thank you, God, for loving us. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment, our team is going to be gathered here at the front and We're going to take a few moments as no one's moving around until the end of the service. We're just a few minutes away. But man, right now, the most important thing that's happened here today, I promise you, is when we have the opportunity multiple times through song and through word today to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the picture, I think kind of the underlying theme that walks with everything we've talked about today. It's just simply this. When you try to do life on your own, it's going to be bad. When you try to figure it out on your own, you're going to mess it up. When you try to work your way to your own salvation, you'll never accomplish it. But God has made a way. And that way is through His Son, Jesus. In a moment, we're going to stand together, we're going to sing. And when we do, if you're here today and you've never come to the place in your life where you have believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again, today you're going to have the opportunity in a few moments, and I encourage you, if you've never done that, you're not 100% sure, I'm going to encourage you to step out from wherever you are and walk down to this altar. And our team is gathered here. Man, we would love to talk with you about that, to let you know one more time what an amazing gift this is and what an amazing God He is. All you got to do is believe. And I'm going to encourage you in a moment to step out and come down. Maybe you want to come kneel here, leave a prayer request, pray for a friend or a family member. Maybe you want to come down and recommit your life. Like, man, I, I want to do this thing right. I've not been doing what 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12 is taught. I've, I've not been doing it that way, but I want to turn it around today. You can come and kneel here. and You can make that commitment to God. Maybe you want to join our family here at Thomas Road. Maybe you want to come for baptism. Whatever God is speaking to you. Listen, when you do things God's way, it is the only way you'll succeed. So as we stand and sing, I encourage you. Take that step today. Let's stand right now. Let's sing together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. 
worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, my father was. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Father, today, Father, we thank you for your strength. We thank you for the hope that we find in you. God, we're amazed, we're overwhelmed that you could actually care so much about us and all of our weakness and all our frailties and all of our failings and our problems and, and all of the situations that bounce around in our head every single day that you could actually say, I love them still and that you gave your son as the doorway, the opportunity that we have to get to the Father. God, we thank you. And God, I pray that today as we have spent time in your word, learning from you, hearing from you, that now as we kind of turn and we head back out into a world that is tough, where there's bad news at every corner, hard times on every street. God, I pray that we will always remember that there is good news. Always remember that we are not alone. Always remember to maintain the testimony of our lives. To run after holiness, God. To pursue you with everything because we recognize that our relationship with you and our relationship to others. It determines our righteousness. It, it makes a difference, God. Help us to live right because, God, we know that it matters. Give us strength. Give us hope. Give us joy because we know that is your heart to reward those who do what's right. Thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you take a moment, if you would, and just have a seat where you are right now, just for one moment. The altar is going to remain open in a few moments. Our team's going to be here. Now, Bruce, I want to ask you to do me a favor right now. Would you lock that camera down right now? Would you lock that camera down, Bruce? Lock it down. Lock it down right there. Okay, and I want you to take your headset off. And I want you to come up here real quick, Bruce. Come up here, Bruce. Bruce, come up here. Come up. Run, 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 run. Come on. Now, here's why I want to do this. Uh, Bruce Carey, many of you know Bruce, been around here a long time. In fact, he, he's actually been here in this church since he was a little boy. Got saved here, and, and God has raised him up. He, he's old now, by the way, in case you're wondering. 
but Bruce, as of this week, has been running the camera in the center aisle of Thomas Road Baptist Church at the old church and now the new church. He's been doing this for 50 years. He's been running that camera. And you'll see some photos here. That's of him running the, the camera at the old church and keep on rolling through. And of course, that's what he does here now. Today, you've changed clothes a little bit. There, there's when Bruce was a kid, when he, back in, the, how old were you there, Bruce? Uh, 18. 18 years old. Keep, keep rolling on through there. And that's him with dad through the years and, and, and uh, in the service here, ministry here. 50 years he's been running that camera. He actually wrote a book about his, his life of running camera with my dad, which always has great stories in that book. You ought to read that book. And there's his dear family. Many of them are all seated right back over here. They're all from all over the country now. They all came back home to be here for today. And listen, 50 years he's been faithful. Now, he retired earlier this year, which around here means nothing. Because <laughs> you'll notice what he was doing a moment ago, right? 50 years. Now, we've got, we've got something special for you, okay? And so, uh, if you would here. So he's been doing this for 50 years, and when you do this for 50 years, you, you, know, you sit there and you got that headset on that you see that he's wearing there where he can talk to the directors and make sure they're getting everything covered. Now, a lot of people, when they get to 50 years anywhere, they give him a gold watch. And we don't want to give him a gold watch because we don't want him to recognize like, how, like what time it is so that he'll keep staying on that camera and not run to the restaurant. So what we got you is a gold headset. And and what's cool is right now he can't hear what I'm saying, so that's cool. Now, what's cool about that headset, though, Bruce? That's not a, a new headset that we went out and got. That's the headset that you've been wearing. Really? Yes. Yeah, so we actually took it, and, and Matt and Jared and John and all the team, they took it, and they actually reconditioned it, painted it, and got go painted with gold and all that kind of stuff. So now, so you will be styling and profiling <laughs> in the middle aisle of this church for the next 50 years. Thank you, buddy. We love you, and we appreciate you. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Bruce. Love you, brother. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope 
for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that He died and that He rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that He is who He said He is, that He did what He said that He did, calling on His name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves. Thank you.